Okay, Exodus, uh, what chapter is there? <laughs> 24, verses 1 through 18, which is the entire chapter. I had a little setback with my back. Okay, in the previous four chapters, uh, God has given the people of Israel, his chosen people, the Ten Commandments, a large number of civil laws by which the people could be judged. The Ten Commandments are given to us for all time, forever. The civil laws uh, and rules were given in the context of time, through the principle, uh, though the principles could be applied uh, to today's world. For instance, if my dog bites your dog, or if my dog bites you, isn't mentioned in Exodus, okay? Uh, in the historical setting of Exodus, people didn't walk cute little dogs with poop bags, you know? In the context, <laughs> it's the oxen that are mentioned. Uh, and a lot of people owned oxen because oxen were the John Deere tractors of the day, okay? Uh, However, the principle of the judgments could be applied today. Another example could be found in chapter 20, verses 2 to 11, which dealt with slaves. If employers treated their employees justly and fairly, and if employees truly did their jobs, labor disputes would be at a minimum. Uh, ultimately, the employer-employee relationship would be more like family. I worked a place once like that. It was great. It's unbelievable. Uh, Hence the bond servant. Remember the bond servant? But if it went in the other direction, there were judgments for that too. God figured this all out for us. Uh, in these four chapters, 20 to 23, God has painted a spirit, painted the entire uh, spiritual and social fabric of the Jewish uh, people with a broad brush. It covers pretty much everything they needed to grow in godly living, prosper as a nation. Our God has a perfect plan. Uh, he's a God of order and his perfect love for his people established that perfect plan. Uh, unfortunately, we don't always follow the plan. We mess up. Uh, everybody, remember and judges, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Uh, but there's a plan for that, too. There's nothing that's left undone. Uh, in chapter 24... Moses is still the mediator uh, between God and the people. In chapter 20 and verse 18, the people, after witnessing the majesty and power of God, uh, had asked Moses to intercede for him. He was, God was a little too much for him. They said, you do it. Uh, God, through Moses, had given the, notion, uh, the, the Jewish nation parameters which to live their lives in a holy, civil, and peaceable way. It's like kids, kids. If you give kids boundaries, things much better for the kids. If you don't give kids boundaries, they go nuts. Uh, and I've seen in my own family, I've seen, you know, in my grandchildren, I've seen them raised different ways. Uh, so often, this is a true story, so I get, I, I'm guilty of thinking, when I read this chapter through the first time, I get this, I get it. Uh, it's because I don't look deep enough Uh it's like a speedboat skimming across uh, Lake Tahoe. You know, you don't see the depth and the beauty of the lake. It's, it's over a quarter mile deep. But you don't see that when you're 60 miles an hour across the surface. And that's the problem I have a lot of time with reading the Bible. I've got to slow down. 
and if anyone's even gone moderately fast on water, you realize that all you see is the surface. So I'm, I'm guilty of reading the Bible like that. But as I spent a little time with this chapter and slowed down, the beauty of it started becoming apparent. Uh, this chapter is a big deal. It's a lot more than I thought it was when I first looked at it. Uh, in it, God and man fellowship intimately. This is incredible. And God's word and commandments are for, formally accepted. Okay, let's get into our text. Exodus 24. Uh, Verse 1, clear to 18. Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nabab, Nadab, and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Moses took half the blood put it in basins, and half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord said we will do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of of the covenant, covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and Seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there. And I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, Exodus 24, verse 1. He said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Now Moses has been a mediator uh, for quite a while now. And the people received this verbal command. 
This isn't a vision. It's not a dream. This is the voice of God directly speaking to Moses. He, with a capital H, said, this is a rather large contingent, and, and it's quite specific. God didn't just say grab 70 people. Uh, Moses' brother Aaron, his two sons, Adab and Abihu, and 70 elders were to accompany him. They were established heads of families and tribes who Moses already had a relationship with. We fill this room pretty much. I was thinking when I wrote this, I was thinking upstairs. Uh, we don't fill this room. Uh, but there, there's not 70 of us here. 70 people all in one spot is a pretty good uh, sized group. Uh, they've been called to turn their attention to God, worship from a distance, and to bear witness to what was to follow. As it turns out, they're going to be a witness to the glory of God and uh, and they're going to see something very special. And seven is the number of completion. Verse 2. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. Continuing, Yahweh has set parameters, boundaries of this event. And we're going to see this is quite an event. So I looked at this trapeter, I thought, once again, I got this. But then I became aware how important this chapter really was. In some ways, this is the meat and potatoes of the book of Exodus. Uh, the God who cannot be seen will be seen by this entire group. Not just Moses, but Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu. And also by the 70 elders. What effect, now check this out, what effect would this have on the entire nation? Uh, would these may, would, would they be able to contain themselves being that close to God? Would you? Would you be able to contain yourself if God was right here in your face? Uh, uh, they would be powerful in reverence and worship. How powerful, now check this out. How powerful were the disciples, uh, the, the apostles and the disciples, the people that walk with Jesus? You had one man, uh, one man in his ministry spread his ministry to, what, a couple hundred, five hundred saw him when he... Uh, when he rose to the Father. But even so, 500 compared to the amount of people that are here today in our lives and the amount of Christians. Uh, these men uh, spread the word of God. They were reverent. They were, they were fervent in their, in their preaching. Uh, and their job, uh, their job was successful. Here we are. We're here studying the word of God today because of the efforts of these people. Uh, we got to remember uh, to have this kind of reverence and enthusiasm ourselves. Like, like Mike, I don't know, is Ernie here? Ernie, uh, John, uh, they're out in the trenches. Uh, Chris, uh, we, go, we go down to uh, county jail and, and we just hammer them. Uh, Don's looking all embarrassed. He's saying, not me, not me. But he does, he does. I've... I've sat behind him while he taught at jail, and he just flat gets in their face. And uh, Mike's told me that he gets up on a soapbox or on a, on a box in uh, Old Town. He says, I make a fool of myself for the Lord. And he does it unashamedly. 
You know, and that's what we got to do. But that's what these people are going to be uh, privy to an incredible scene. And we're going to see that coming up. Verse 3, so Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. With one voice. The Ten Commandments and judgments that God gave to Moses from the beginning of chapter 20 to the end of chapter 23, you almost could see it as one conversation. If you pulled out the chapter markings, uh, it just goes on and on and on and on. Uh, God starts out, you know, and he gives them the Ten Commandments, and he tells them, if, if your ox scores my ox, if, if uh, you do this to your servant, you knock his tooth out, and it goes on and on and on of just giving them the rules, the, the laws that they can live their lives by. And these three, ch- uh, four chapters are pretty much continuous. I don't think you'll find a break in there anywhere. Uh, it's an uninterrupted statement from God. And X all the time tells us, you know, don't get so bound up in the, uh, uh, in the uh, divisions. You know, like there's times you can shift a division one way or another. Uh, this, uh, this verse began with the word so. Uh, it could also be seen as the word therefore. Therefore, because of all this, so. And in verse 4 we read, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning, and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. I... I personally, I love the dawn. I love to do my work in the dawn, in the in the morning, morning. Uh, everything seems work, new. Uh, the kind of job I did, my calls weren't always nine to five or eight to four thirty. Uh, I was I was assigned to go to work a lot of times, seven o'clock. I once had a call that I I went to work seven days in a row, every day at midnight, and got off at noon the next day. Uh, and so I never could get used to what I did as far as that goes. Moses got up early. Uh, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. I don't suppose the people of Israel were any better at remembering what uh, we are to be doing any more than, than us. Uh, <laughs> one, time, one time my mother told me she was having a hard time remembering things and had to write them down so she wouldn't forget them. <laughs> But she was almost 100 years old at the time. Yeah. I was cracking up. It took her that long. I was, you know, here I was at the time she told me that I was about 60 something. And I was, had little notes everywhere. You know, thank God for post its. You know. So Moses created a document, document that would remind the people what they had agreed to when they all said, all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. Maybe that's why God gave us the Bible. Uh, so you don't have to rely on your memory. It's all right here. Uh, what's the f- famous answer from a teenager? I don't know. Yeah. My, my teenagers say that all the time. The Mosaic Covenant is far too important not to be written down. In building the altar, Moses created a monument to, uh, to God. In building the 12 pillars, the relationship between God and the people is shown. Stage is set for the coming together of God and Israel in ratifying the Ten Commandments and the judgments. In the previous four chapters, the beauty of God's judgments and, of course, the majesty of the Ten Commandments was easy to see. 
uh, those chapters, they had an in-your-face quality about them as far as I was concerned. Uh, God spoke to the people. This, uh, this chapter almost got by me, and, and my, I got this. I keep going back to that, but I, 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 I was so guilty of I got this. I was so glad when God busted me and said, no, you don't got this. Uh, and I started to understand this is huge. The ratification of the Mosaic Covenant is in this chapter. Uh, and it's the key to the study the rest of the, uh, the book of Exodus. We need to understand the Old Covenant in order to understand the New Covenant. Uh, more clearly, we need to see the message and meaning of the Old Testament to understand what Jesus did for us in the New uh, Testament. We have to see clearly that the God of all creation interacting with his chosen people, and he did it on a personal basis. The God who cannot be seen will be seen by the, by the 73 men and Moses, 74 of them all together. Think about it. The covenant will be ratified that they're going to ratify right here is more important. It's more important than any covenant that man has ever made with one another. You know, it, I mean, we, you know, the Geneva Convention, peace treaties after wars, and even the even the covenant of marriage. Nothing is as important or as significant as this particular uh, covenant. Uh, this is God and His people coming together in agreement. Uh, I have to suggest that if, whenever we agree with God, it's the only time we can be sure of getting it right. You know, if you, if you agree with God, if God says this and you say, yeah, it's okay. You're going to be right, at least then. Verse 5, Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. A solemn moment. Moses and Aaron and his sons, the elders and all the people are treating it as such. Uh, one commentary by a guy named Cole suggested that Moses selected young men because of their strength and agility, that that's what we require to tie oxen to a stone for sacrifice. Uh, I would have probably chosen Daryl because I know he can bring down an animal and do what he's got to do. Notice the text doesn't say that. At least not in this translation. But it sounded good. It sounded reasonably good. I'm going to make a comment on commentaries. Read commentaries that are good, but you don't necessarily take, you know, the Bible's the Bible. I believe this perfectly. But commentaries, you have to kind of wade through them. Like X always tells us, the Bible's the plumb line. Moses took half of the blood, verse 6, and put it in basins. The other blood he sprinkled on the altar. Uh, Significance of blood for the life of the flesh in Leviticus uh, uh, chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh the atonement for the soul. Atonement, great word. You can kind of split it up at one minute. Uh, when God made garments for Adam and Eve, the uh, the blood that was shed for their sin because of their shame, uh, they needed it to be covered. Now blood, Moses takes the blood of the sacrifice, divides it into two equal parts. Uh, notice that, equal parts. When we mess up, when we sin, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I blow it. You know, I don't know, you guys probably don't, but I blow it all the time. Uh, 
And when I do, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm, I just, I want to get back to good. You know, I want to get, get back to that point where I feel good with the Lord. Uh, uh, at times like this, when we've separated ourselves from God by our thoughts, words, or deeds, don't you feel a hunger to get back into fellowship with him? Uh, at one moment, atonement, if you're an Old Testament Jew, be no other way than blood sacrifice. Little lamb, you'd start to worry. Uh-oh, the boss is sinning. You know, look around and find a blemish, you know. But Jesus established a new covenant with us, and by his blood we're saved. In Matthew 26, verse 28, in the King James, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Verse 7, Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord said we will do. And here the Mosaic Covenant is ratified. Uh, Ratified is a, a formal consent, a treaty, a contract, an agreement. It's making it efficient, official, making it valid. That's what's happening here. The people are, and God are coming together, for, like, officially. Uh, isn't the first time that the people had heard these words? Uh, at the end of chapter 19 in this book, uh, God called an assembly and verbally given them the Ten Commandments and the, and the judgments. Reverence required that Mer- Moses would write them down. Notice after the reading, we hear the same declaration. And notice this is unanimous. There ain't, you know, it isn't 56 to, you know, there's, there's no, uh, no having to count the votes. One voice, all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. Now this is huge. We've got a whole bunch of people all agreeing to do what God has given them to do. In verse 8, we find the, uh, the Mosaic Covenant officially ratified. Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you, according to all these words. In verse 5, the young men of Israel had slaughtered the oxen and offered sacrifices to God. And now, and in verse 6, Moses collected the blood in basins and he sprinkled half on the altar, saved the other half. Now he sprinkles that blood on the people, and the Mosaic Covenant is ratified. The blood of atonement has created a bond between God and man. God was bound. He was bound by this. He was bound to the people to support, defend, and save them, and the people were bound to God, to fear, love, and serve him. In accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and washed clean in the blood of his sacrifice, for us, God supports, defends, and saves us. And we are bound to fear, love, and serve him. It's that simple. This has always been the plan, and as God has always been faithful, he'll always be faithful to us. Our job is to be as faithful as humanly possible, our faithfulness will never be equal to the faithfulness of God. It won't be. But we're not called to perfection. We're not called to be perfect. We're called to give it our best shot. In Genesis 15, 
Now when the sun was going down, verse 12, when the sun was going down and deep sleeps fell on Abram, behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know cert- certainly that your descent descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them. They will afflict them four hundred years, and also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites, Amorites is not yet complete. So without fully elaborating on these prophetic promises. We can see the Lord is faithful. The Jews would wander for years. They were slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. Uh, God judged Pharaoh and and Egypt. The Jews walked out of Egypt with a lot of gold and a lot of possessions. Abram did live to a ripe old age. The Jews did return. Here in Exodus 24, we find so much, we're so much closer to seeing the promise of God fulfilled. Today's world, Israel's a sovereign nation. The Jews, against overwhelming odds, uh, maintain that sovereignty. Sovereignty. God does what he says he's going to do. God is faithful. We can only rely on that faithfulness. Uh, I rely on it daily, moment to moment, moment to moment. All my joy, hope, and peace. I'm talking for me personally. I don't know about you, but this works for me. All my joy, my hope, my peace is rooted in God's love and the faithfulness of that love. He promises, he delivers. Verse 9. Then Moses went up, also Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders uh, of Israel. Uh, What follows is staggering to me. This absolutely blew my mind. For for me, apart from the rapture, uh, this has got to be one of the most desirable of biblical events that you might want to take part in. There may be others that you might want to take part in more, but this one's way up on my list. Verse 10, And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the very heavens in its clarity. I I really enjoyed reading all the commentaries on this verse, uh, there's so many speculations about what these 74 men actually saw. Okay, that they saw the sapphire stones are given. The text tells us that. Also that its clar- clarity was heavenly. Our text tells us that. Uh, but some commentators believe they just saw God's foot- footstool. Others that they saw something like a vision. I'm going to read you three different uh, commentaries. This first one's by Kaiser. That Moses and his company saw the God of Israel appears to contradict Exodus 33.20, John 1.18, and 1 Timothy 6.16. What they saw was a form, similitude of the Lord. Numbers 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 8, just as Ezekiel, uh, first chapter 26, and Isaiah 6, chapter verse 1, saw an approximation, a faint resemblance and an, I love this word, adumbration, adumbration means overshadowing. He could have said overshadowing uh, of the incarnate Christ who was to come. That was Kaiser. This next fellow's name is Thomas. It's impossible to say what is meant by they saw God. 
It was some, the appearance of the divine president. And he quotes Numbers, uh, verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 8, Isaiah 6, 1, Ezekiel 1, 26. And then the last one I felt was a little bit more realistic. The, the, the account of this experience is reverently reticent. No description is given of the form which the manifestation took. All the description attempted is that a footstool of the deity. And that's true. This, this verse, a, a lot of commentators have a problem with this verse because it says they saw God. And we've read previously that God cannot be seen. And they said they saw God. And people are trying to explain it away in all different kinds of ways. What excess, uh, and I love this, don't let what you don't know get in the way of what you do know. Uh, sometimes we get caught up in things like this. We get these big arguments and, and, uh, and debates. Uh, so whether they say footstool or similitude or approximation doesn't much matter to me. Uh, if anybody wants to debate it, choose sides, go play someplace else and debate away. Uh, it says they saw the God of Israel. For this study, that's good enough for me. Because check this out. In the next verse, to me, it's a little proof to me that they did see the God of Israel. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. Now, uh, as we just saw, there's a lot of scripture telling us that God cannot be seen. It would appear from the beginning of this verse, this verse, verse 11, that God has spared the 74 men. Uh, and the, these are the guys that, as it's written, saw God. Okay? I have to ask, why would want God want to lay their hand on, his hand on them? Uh, no transgressions indicated, other than that they've seen God that cannot be seen. So maybe uh, they really saw God. Maybe they really did. Uh, these men were referred to as nobles which would indicate they were of a high social and moral uh, standing. That is why God spared them? Is that why? I don't know. Uh, what they did uh, do, they needed, they needed God's mercy. God was merciful to them. But once again, why did he spare them? Why did he have to spare them? It made me think, they saw God. Uh, and why would they be eating and drinking? Uh, a shared meal was and still is, still to this day, is a way of stealing a covenant, uh, sealing a covenant, covenant or uh, concluding an agreement. I mean, a lot of times you go out to dinner after you've had done a business deal. It's, it's have a business lunch. Uh, and in, in the fifth verse, he sent the young men of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. A sacrificial feast was also not an unusual happening uh, following peace offerings. Now, what is unusual here is that these guys picnicked in the sight of God. I mean, this is not your normal picnic, you know. Uh, God called a, a specific number of men to this event. They were witnesses, uh, and this would give a perspective of holiness to it as well. Uh, God's majesty was revealed personally to these men. It's clear that God did reveal himself to them, regardless of what manner of manifestation you choose to accept, 
whether it's a similitude, an apparition, a vision, whatever. Uh, their witness would add a measure of truth and as eyewitnesses. And they were competent ones. These guys were not, you know, they weren't riffraff. Uh, they were considered special people. They were selected because they were special people. And when they came off that mountain and went amongst the people, what would be their level of reverence? I can only imagine. How would they relate to God and those around him? I can't believe that they would come down off the mountain the same as when they went up. Heck, all I got to do is go to a retreat and I come back different, you know. Also, this would add uh, credibility to Moses' dealings with God. (laughs) The only fly I can find in the ointment is uh, Leviticus 10. The two eldest sons of Aaron, Nadab, Nadab and Abihu, offered profane fire and incense to the Lord and were consumed by fire. Now, this could make an argument that it's possible to lose your salvation. Uh, It's possible. I don't know. These two guys were on the mountain along with the rest of them. Uh, Cole said, uh, regarding the footstool, the sapphire, the the blue of the sapphire may suggest the elders saw the sea of glass before the throne of God, which is mentioned in Revelation uh, chapter 4, verse 6, or Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, Ezekiel sees God as seated on a sapphire throne over a crystal firmament, verse 22. And thoughts taken up again in Revelation. But there seems to be a unanimous opinion about the sapphire. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. And there I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. Wherever on the mountain that Moses was with the elders and Aaron and his sons, Moses was instructed to go further up the mountain and be there. I love that word. I love that expression, be there. None of the commentators made any reference to that phrase. It just struck me as be there meant uh, was more. Maybe it was a translation, but to me it was more than just an oddity. Uh, More significant is the reason. Moses was received the tablets of stone so that Moses could teach the people. Pastor teachers are a wonderful blessing uh, that God bestows on his people. Uh, Four times in Exodus, twice in Deuteronomy, the nation of Israel is described described as a stiff-necked people. And even today, they are a tough, strong-minded people. Some of you have been to Israel. Uh, the people of Israel are tough. I saw, uh, I've mentioned this to others, uh, to some of you. That we're walking over to a place called Ben Huda, and uh, I see this guy walking along with a yarmulke on. He's got a T-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops. He's pushing a shopping cart, a bunch of groceries in the shopping cart. His wife's push, pushing a baby buggy, and she's got a baby in the baby buggy, not a dog, baby. And... Uh, and a couple of kids are running around. It just looked like the most normal picture in the world, except he had an AK-47 strapped to his back. You know, tough people, tough people. Uh, so when God says be there, it meant to me that Moses should be available. Uh, I love it when I lose my place. 
Four times in Exodus, twice in Deuteronomy, nation is, is described as a stiff-necked people. They're tough, strong-minded people, and that's a true story. Uh, God knows they will need instruction, and Moses will need guidance in teaching them. God is giving Moses the textbooks and a lesson plan. Uh, this is a, a blessing to both the people and to Moses. I can't imagine Moses trying to teach him without this. Xavier teaches us about God. God has blessed him with his word so we can be taught. I can speak for myself on this. I'm a stiff-necked person, okay? And I need instruction and constant reminders. I do. Uh, God has given us X, and I'm grateful for that. I read an account one time. You know, a lot of times people, uh, you know, they say, oh, X is so hard to understand, and, and uh, he teaches on such a high level. I read an account of two college professors uh, that had agreed to meet for lunch. And one of them got their way early, and so he sat in on his friend's uh, lecture. And when he was done, his friend asked him, the guy who was lecturing said, uh, what did you think of my lecture? And uh, the guy that was listening said, I think you aimed it over their heads. And the guy that the lecturer said, no, he goes, I aimed it where their heads ought to be. You know, and, and that's how it is with us. You know, God aims, uh, aims scripture at us where our heads ought to be. When X teaches, you know, I'm guilty of this, so don't think I'm trying to bust you. I don't, I don't read up ahead of time like I should. I should study, and so when I would sit under X, I would know more. Uh, but Moses is given the, the means to teach the people. Verse 13. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. Moses was obedient to God's command. He's always been obedient. It's one of the wonderful things about this guy. Some might say that God did not tell him to take Joshua. We could also argue that God didn't tell him not to take Joshua. In view of the role that Joshua was going to assume later, it seemed appropriate that Joshua would go with Moses. Joshua chapter uh, 1, verse 1, 2, and 3. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving you, uh, giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you, as I said to Moses. So, Joshua, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. I think Joshua should be there. Uh, makes sense. Verse 14, And he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has difficulty, let him go to them. And the King James, I, I love reading this. I, I'm just going to read it. it it's the same thing over again, but it's in Old English. And he said unto the altars, Tarry ye, ye here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man have any matters to do, let him come unto them. In spite of all this transpired, there's still boundaries. There's still boundaries that have to be observed. The nation of Israel is encamped at the foot of the mountain. The 70 elders have gone further up the mountain. Maybe halfway, who knows? 
Is it really important exactly? Uh, and now Moses and Joshua are to go even further up Mount Sinai. He instructs the others to remain where they are until he returns. Anticipating that any dispute should arise, Aaron and her would be able to deal with it. Chapter 32, we're going to find that the overseers, uh, these overseers left a little to be desired. I think you know what I'm talking about. The golden calf. We know Aaron as Moses' brother. Who's her? Uh, her is first mentioned on, as a companion of Moses. And Aaron watching the battle of freedom against the Amalekites in uh, Exodus uh, 17:11, And so it was that Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let it down, Amalekite, Amalekite prevailed. Exodus 17:12. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. That's who Hur is. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. God's presence is very real. There's no room for doubt ever about that. In verse 10 we read, They saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone, and it was like the heavens in his clarity. It's so plain. Moses and Joshua go up beyond where the elders are told to wait. Verse 16. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. So here we are, verse 16. And by now, the amazing display of God's presence on the mountain and his fellowship with Moses, Aaron, and his sons, and 70 elders painted quite a picture. And then they ate and they drank on top of it. This is like, this This wasn't a flash. It wasn't a vision. This lasted a while. Lasted long enough to, for them to eat. So so often we got to wait on God. Uh, well, they say there are only three answers to our request uh, to God. Uh, yes, no, and not now. Uh, the not now requires us to be patient. Uh, I can't help but wonder. I can't help but wonder what Moses might have been thinking while he waited. Uh, a friend of mine wants to uh, define patience as learning to be happy while you wait. I thought that was great. I use it to this day. I do my best to be happy while I wait. If I was Moses, I would be eager to be called to meet with God, and I would be terrified at the same time. I would be terrified. Happy? I don't know about happy. I'd be thrilled to be anointed like that. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire <clears throat> on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Not just a fire, a consuming fire. One evening, Debbie and I uh, were driving west on the Ventura Freeway, and there was this sunset. The sunset was unbelievable. It was awe-inspiring. It was really awe-inspiring. It looked like it stretched from Malibu to Santa Barbara. It was these clouds, and when the sun came down below them, it lit them up. And I was amazed by it. I was just, I mean, it was like one of those, it was one to pull off the freeway and take a look at this thing. It was so amazing that later on, every place we went, people were talking about the sunset, and it even made the evening news. 
But this is so much more than that. This is the presence of God revealed to the entire nation. This is the glory of God revealed to his people. Uh, I can't think for a moment there was any question in their minds uh, as to what this was. For an entire nation to behold the glory of God collectively, uh, it would ensure you would think that they would never stray in this, their salvation. Unfortunately, as we read through the Old Testament, we see it's not the case. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. We've got to be totally on guard against that. We totally got to stay in the word. We have, to, we have to guard against the fact that we can, one, be deceived, or two, that we would stray just by losing attention. How many times in a day do you realize, I haven't thought about God, I haven't prayed? You know, even though there were a lot of circumstances in that day where you might have had time to pray or you might have needed to pray and you forgot. Uh, So you got to keep your eyes on the cross. Verse 18 to finish this. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud, went up into the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. What does this tell us about Moses? He's brave. (laughs) Tells me he was brave. And he trusted the Lord. Every time you get on an elevator, you're exercising a certain amount of trust, don't you think? You can't get on a plane with a a fair amount of trust. Uh, You trust that it's going to get you where you're going and it's not going to crash on the way. I don't know how many of you guys uh, uh, remember uh, Judge Mike. used to come to church or still does every once in a while. And uh, he had a card for it said his name with... Uh, with an airlines thing, and it said, "So we'll get you on the ground one way or another." You know? <laughs> Display on top of this mountain would make anyone trouble, but Moses went into the midst of the cloud. Uh, in Exodus thirty-four thirty-eight, uh, we read that he neither ate bread nor drank water. And also, and here's in, in uh, Deuteronomy 9, this is Moses speaking. When I went up into the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord has made uh, made with you, then I stayed on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights, and I neither ate bread nor drank water. His body didn't need any earthly support. Uh, he was being in the presence of God. And neither did Elijah in 1 Kings, chapter 19, verse 8. And, of course, Jesus, before he began his ministry, fasted 40 days and nights, Matthew 4, 2. You might say, well, you know, Jesus was God. I, I, I totally reject when people tell me that the, the crucifixion couldn't have been so bad because he was God. You know, he, he, my back pain, nothing compared to what he suffered. Uh, any pain that any of us have and any infirmities that we have are nothing compared to what Jesus went through for us. Uh, so here's what we ended up with, you guys. Moses was the mediator of the Old Covenant, and, and he's the only one that God allowed to draw close to him. Moses was a type of Christ. who was the mediator of the New Covenant. Moses mediated the Old Covenant for the nation of Israel, and Jesus, the new covenant, on behalf of us all. And Moses was the only one who had direct access to God. Jesus alone has access to God on behalf of the entire human race. Like X says, he's our lawyer, he's our advocate. 
The sacrifices of the law were established with the Mosaic Covenant to bring atonement to the Jews. The sacrifice of Christ by his blood has brought us atonement with God. As we read in in verse 6, the blood of sacrificial oxen was sprinkled on the altar and on the people to sanctify and establish the covenant with God. When we receive communion, we acknowledge the sacrifice of the body and blood of Christ for us. Chapter 24 capped all the previous four chapters, the major part of our history. The Bible shows us where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this evening and this study, these words that you've given us. We praise you, Lord, and ask you to to bless us, uh, to receive it in our hearts. Uh, give us, grant us understanding, grant us wisdom, and grant us, grant us, Lord, the courage and strength to live the Bible in our everyday lives. Not just read it, not just quote it, but live it in everything that we do, in the small situations we find ourselves in and in the big ones. We thank you, Lord, for this incredible love that you've bestowed upon us, the wonderful grace and the absolutely delicious mercy that we don't get what we deserve, Lord. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.